episode of Girl Influence Power is brought to you by Collectin. Shop or run the world's tiniest boutiques with Collectin. Welcome to Girl Influence Power Podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Lee, entrepreneur, jewelry designer, CEO, co-founder of Collectin, the social plus shopping app that is your new platform for fashion. Thank you for tuning in Life on CastBox. This episode is brought to you by Collectin in partnership with CastBox. Girls, have you ever been caught trying to buy that perfect gift for that girl who has everything? Guys, have you ever forgotten an important date like an anniversary or birthday? Well, fear no more. Girlfriend Box is the personalized jewelry gift box automatically sent on all the big days. You can pre-schedule ahead and never forget again. So go and schedule your gift now at girlfriendbox.com. Today we have the fashionably glam and well-spoken Jennifer Chan with us. Jennifer Chan is an established fashion and beauty editor, media personality, and on-air host with over 15 years of experience having worked for leading media outlets including InStyle Magazine, E! Online, L.com, The Kardashians, Fashionista.com, and more. She has appeared on air as style correspondent and industry expert for TV networks like CNBC, MSN Entertainment, Sky News, Total Beauty, and BET Network. Jennifer has interviewed dozens and dozens of A-list stars, attended countless exclusive industry events, as well as attended many runway shows. On top of that, she also has hosted numerous fashion shows for retailers like Bloomingdale's and Macy's. Most recently, she was on the launch team for the Kardashian-Jenner apps and websites as senior editor to both Kim Kardashian West and Kourtney Kardashian. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming all the way out here. <laughs> anyway, we're going to jump right in because you're, you know, you're in the know about style, about fashion, about beauty, but I really want to get to know more about you. So let's get real and um, talk about you. <laughs> sure. So you're an editor, blogger, media personality host, um, and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. I mean, there's so much on my whole <laughs> list. So how do you in this present day describe exactly what do you do? <laughs> um, that's a really good question. I feel like I have had so many different roles in the industry. Um, the largest being, you know, my pedigree really is in journalism. I was an editor mm-hmm. for a lot of magazines. Essentially, I'm a writer, editor. Um, but I think it all encompassing title would be style and beauty expert because right. I have consulted for brands. I speak to trends. I relate to real women. I've been on TV. I've been, you know, behind the scenes where I'm writing um, articles for major media outlets. So at this point, I I think a lot of people just tag me as like, oh, she's like the style and beauty expert. She can talk about anything um, in that, in those two realms. And I, (laughs) it's true. I love it. I wouldn't imagine my life uh, not being in this industry. And I kind of knew from a really young age that I would be here one day. So it's very surreal. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you already got over 15 years. I know. (laughs) So fast. I know. Can I retire now? <laughs> <laughs> now let's go back to the very beginning. Um, so when you're really young, I guess. Yeah. Um, do you always know that, um, you know, you're going to be doing something to do with the media, have a mic in your hand? I mean, does it, does what you do before foreshadow who you are today? I think so. I mean, I think you know who you are, at least I did when you were really little. I played dress up and fashion show at home, like probably most kids play with trucks or stuffed animals. Right. I was in my closet. I had different outfits 
you know, by the hour, I would line up my stuffed animals and I would strut around and, and have literally a fashion show at home. And I would want to, I would always get into, you know, makeup and accessories. Right. And a lot of times when I was little, I would lose, you know, my aunt's earrings around the house or I would get into her makeup and get in trouble <laughs> later. But I couldn't help myself. It was like, you know, bees to honey for me. I knew that I was going to work in fashion and beauty. And I remember this moment when I was in high school or mm-hmm. middle school. And my older brother said to me, you know, if you can figure out a career path for you um, that, you know, is able to let you express how much passion you have for fashion and beauty, I think that's what you should do. Because ultimately, I knew I wanted a job that didn't feel like work, that it felt like a passion. And I do feel proud that I feel like I've really hit the nail on the head with that. And I figured that out at an early age. Oh, wow. Wow. That's actually very, very rare. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, when you're little, you have always dream of like, I want to be a dolphin trainer or or, a teacher. (laughs) I I definitely like had a a straight path. I was, um, you know, even in my first in first grade, I won a writing contest. Right. And in third grade, I won another writing contest. Wow. And my teachers pulled me aside and said, and I was in elementary school, and right. she said, promise me that you'll be a writer because a lot right. of people can't write and you can, and it would be a waste for you not to use that gift. And I oh, said, okay, nice. I'll be a writer. And so from then on, I was like, I'm going to be a writer. I was, I've already promised this one teacher <laughs> in third grade that I'm going to be a writer. So I got to figure out how to combine writing and fashion and beauty together. And then I realized there is a job for that. Right. And it's right. an editor. And that's nice. always what I wanted to be. Okay. So now you grew up in Houston. So uh, being Asian Americans, Mm -hmm. uh, was it very, were your parents very traditional? What what was it like being, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I am so fortunate that I had parents that were so supportive. Mm -hmm. I did not have that experience where they were, I mean, of course, every Asian parent wants you to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And my mom always told me, you should be a lawyer because I was very persuasive. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah, I always got my way out of things. And I, I was a very strong communicator and I was talking at early ages and telling stories at an early age, but, um, she knew that I was going to be creative and I think my whole family knew I would be creative. So, um, I'm very determined. And I think once I set it out there and I said, I'm going to work in fashion and beauty. And at one point I thought I'd be a fashion designer because I was sketching and illustrating, Mm -hmm. um, you know, these, these girls and dresses and gowns every day. Um, but I think my, I was very fortunate that I had parents that kind of let me flap my wings and, Um, it was kind of like sink or swim. If you can do it, then you can do it. And for me, there was no option to fail. I just knew that I would do it. Oh, that's nice. So who, who else is your female role model? So growing up in Houston, um, again, back in the day, media was really only television or magazines. It was mm-hmm. still very traditional. Right. And I remember looking around and seeing opening magazines or turning on the TV, and there weren't really any women that looked like me uh-huh. um, looking back at me. There weren't right. any Asians or a right. lot of diversity. There wasn't anyone who wasn't like a stick size zero <laughs> blonde yeah. model. So I knew that I, even at a very early age, I knew I wanted to change that. I wanted to see more diversity and inclusion right. in media. Um, you know, obviously when I turned on the TV, Connie Chung was like kind of the only right. Asian American. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be a news anchor like Connie <laughs> Chung. And, um, I really did idolize her. Um, I liked, you know, Christy Yamaguchi. I remember being very glamorous, like right. that, the figure skater, <laughs> because she had all the sparkle and the smile and the glam to her outfit. So I didn't want to be a figure skater, although I did do figure skating <laughs> growing up, mostly for the outfits. Um, but there were very few Asian American women to look up to. I would say professionally, I remember idolizing 
um, Kim France, who was the editor-in-chief of Lucky Magazine at the time, which Lucky Magazine is now no longer, but Kim came from Houston. And I had done my homework and I realized that, you know, she came from the same city I grew up in. And if she can do it in New York, I can do it in New York. And she has no idea that I idolized her the way I did. (laughs) And I read her editor's letter like nobody else did. And um, my heroes were the women, the names I saw in the masthead of a magazine. It wasn't a celebrity necessarily Mm -hmm. on TV or on a red carpet. For me, it was professional women that were really killing it at their jobs and proving to people that they could make a difference in media. Oh, nice. So what were you like in high school? I mean, you're studious or you're (laughs) ambitious. Yeah, I would say I'm a lot like how I am today. I was really bubbly. Mm -hmm. I was voted most spirited. I was was varsity cheerleader. Um, I competed competitively in cheerleading, Mm -hmm. um, not only for my school, but also for an an all-star squad, which growing up in Texas, you're either going to become an athlete or a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, I'm going to go that route. Mm -hmm. Um, I was the editor-in-chief of our yearbook. So I've always been that girl who would take pictures of all my friends and document memories and write captions. So it was very, you know, I felt like there was a lot of foreshadowing to what I would do later. Um, I was a broadcast anchor for our morning news. So I would go on. We had like kind of a makeshift TV studio in our high school. And I would report the morning announcements about, you know, which clubs were meeting after school. And don't forget to, you know, we're on a field trip tomorrow or things like that. Right, right, right. So I was always a communicator. I knew that I was going to be, you know, I I had this like inner confidence that I knew I could do it. And I loved connecting with people. So I was very social, but I was also in all the honors and gifted and talented classes and very studious. um, But I was very outgoing. So I kind of had this balance of like being super academic and excelling in all my classes, but also like I'm also there and I'm also there and I'm also cheerleading. Right, right, right. um, I also modeled in high school. Wow. Believe it or not. (laughs) In Houston, we had... um, this huge um, department store called Foley's, which is mm-hmm. part of the Robinson's May Company. Right. And probably some of my fondest memories growing up was working with Foley's because we had um, a, what they called it the teen board. And mm-hmm. they would pick high school students around right. Houston, which is mm-hmm. a huge city. And we would model in um, fashion shows for back to school and prom. Oh, nice. And we would show all the trends. Right. And I became the president of it by the time I was a senior. Oh. And <laughs> And I was also, you know, they would have me do like the local morning news segment mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. you know, what to wear. So I was seeing a lot of behind the scenes of yeah. fashion and beauty, at least even from a local standpoint right. of what goes into putting on a production like a fashion show right. or a new segment. So it was kind of like it was all in the stars. For right, me. right. It's true. It's how how things fall into place, you know, yeah. basically, which is like that. Uh, I, I feel it's very much like that, whether it's in a career or in a job or. 100%. <laughs> yes. I was interning in high school. Oh, wow. I was, I was in senior year, I was like, I cannot wait to be a grown up. I cannot wait to get my hands in this industry. So uh, literally before I graduated high school, I was already interning and Uh I was learning how lookbooks are shot and catalogs are shot. I went to modeling castings for go-sees and I just wanted to know everything that I could. I just couldn't get enough. Nice. No, I love that spirit about you (laughs) learning and going out there and getting what you want. So now you went to college in Pepperdine, so Mm -hmm. it's really far west. So why Pepperdine? So it's a funny story. I actually, after I graduated high school, I moved to New York right away. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I actually went to FIT, which uh-huh, is the Fashion right, Institute right. of Technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my dream school at the time because mm-hmm. I thought, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go into New York. Well, that was when 9-11 happened. Oh, so wow. <laughs> I actually lived in New York during 9-11 as a freshman in high school. So now you guys can do the math and know wow. exactly how old I am. But right. um, it was very hard to live in New York, this dream city that I had painted in my head. And it was probably the, the hardest time other right. than maybe right now right. that the 
Big Apple has ever seen. Right. So it was devastating. And I knew that ultimately if I wanted to be a big time editor and vying for these coveted jobs out of college, right. I would be competing against, you know, other kids who went to Ivy Leagues or mm-hmm. really intense liberal arts right. colleges. So I quickly decided I can't stay here. I need to move. And I remember my high school broadcasting teacher had always said the best communication schools are Pepperdine or Syracuse. Ah, and okay. so I was like, okay, I'm going to transfer real quick. Like nobody even noticed. And I applied <laughs> right. for Pepperdine and Syracuse to right. transfer spring semester. Ah. I got into both, but Syracuse is up north and it's even right. colder. Right. That's true. <laughs> Pepperdine's in Malibu, and I went sight unseen. I'm like, yeah, this will do. Malibu, of course. <laughs> yeah. And for those who are not from LA, Malibu is like right at the beach. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it's a dream. It's like going to school in a resort for four years. Right, right, right. So, do you have any memorable experience while you're in Pepperdine? Yeah, I have. So, I mean, Pepperdine, I think, shaped me to be who I am. I'm actually a former alumni of the year mm-hmm. of Pepperdine, so oh, wow. very proud. Um, I was a public relations and journalism double major at Pepperdine mm-hmm. and same spirit that I had in high school. I was right. like down and determined to do this career. I had really supportive professors, um, who, I, I mean, I was interning like crazy as well in college, not shocking. Um, but I remember I was interning at WWD women's wear daily, which is right. the Bible of the industry. Um, my senior year and, you know, I was making strides in the LA office, loving every second of being an unpaid intern. And (laughs) I remember it was LA fashion week and, Mm -hmm. you know, the editor of the West coast bureau chief had said, if you want, you can cover some events for us and we'll call you our junior editor Mm -hmm. and you can go. But it was during school hours. It was Uh, during when I had class and it was for a whole week. And I talked to my professor and I said, listen, Mm -hmm. um, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And, And he didn't even bat an eye. He was so supportive. And he said, for what you want to do, you're going to learn more in one week with them than I could teach you in a whole semester here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So oh, go. And nice. I did. And I, I got published in WWD by the time, you know, I was an undergrad. So it was like these little moments where I was like, someone believed in me and someone saw that I could do this, um, you know, not just in this university, but also in the real career field. So right, right. it was really rewarding. Um, I was in a sorority. I was a Tri-Delta ah, and I was okay. VP of public relations and VP of membership. So a lot of it, again, was mm-hmm. being that personality that right, drew right, people right. to our group um, and where some of my lifelong friendships came from. So I did a lot of Pepperdine. I loved every second ah, of it. Nice. I didn't, I remember crying the morning I graduated because I didn't want to leave. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how many college seniors have that experience, but I, I was like, this has been absolute bliss. Um, <laughs> if I could just stay here forever Aww. and live in Malibu with ocean right. views and you know, it was a dream. So right, right. I was very grateful for that experience. Now you went then the other side of town yeah. and you went back to New York for <laughs> Columbia, right? I did. Um, so I mean, besides the fact it's a top-notch school, why, why there? <laughs> so I, again, I knew I wanted to work in magazine publishing specifically. Mm-hmm. Columbia has a program and NYU has a program right. and I'm, I'm sure a few other schools have a program, but Columbia obviously was the most prestigious one. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need to, let's say, continue my education, but I thought, why not? I'm right. an overachiever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to apply to all the schools and see which one I got into. And I got into Columbia, which was, you know, I was like, I'm going to do this. So I moved to New York. I knew that I kind of had to make amends with New York. I right. feel like I didn't get my full run uh, when I lived there during right. 9-11 and I still had a lot to prove to myself. Mm-hmm. So um, it was all, again, everything fell into place. And I went to Columbia and I did this very intensive program at their graduate school of journalism. And I was, again, I'm sure made a splash and let everyone know <laughs> what I wanted to do and how I was going to get there and what, and exactly, you know, so I made a lot of great connections and I learned, you know, networking and 
And also that, you know, not everything is nice and uh, that happy bubble that Malibu provided right. me. I mean, for undergrad, I couldn't have imagined um, a better place because everybody was supportive and sweet and happy mm-hmm, and positive. Mm-hmm. But the real world isn't always like that. And right. I had to cut my teeth a little bit in New York. And yeah. Columbia gave me that experience. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> Probably pretty cutthroat. <laughs> pretty cutthroat. Yeah. New York is pretty cutthroat. But it was good because if I didn't go to New York right away and if I would stayed in L.A. and stayed comfortable, then I probably wouldn't have been able to to accelerate my career the way that I did. So um, in hindsight, I'm like, I did exactly everything I should have done. (laughs) I don't know how I knew to do it, but um, I'm glad that I went there as well. Uh, So talk about your first job then. How was that? Yeah. (laughs) So my first job was at Real Simple Magazine, Uh which is still alive and well. It's a shelter mag. Um, At the time, it was owned by Time Inc. Mm -hmm. Now it's owned by Meredith, um, which kind of acquired Time Inc. But um, I remember getting that job. The director at Columbia, at my program, she called me in the afternoon and I was actually hunting for an apartment in New York, pounding the pavement like you right. do in the summer. Mm-hmm. And she's like, where are you? What are you doing? And I was like, I'm looking for an apartment. And she's like, you have an interview at four o'clock at Real Simple Magazine. I could pick one person in the program and I picked you. So you better not screw this up. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Okay. And at the time, you know, magazine jobs were very, very scarce. They right. still, I mean, they're right. way more scarce than now, but yes. at the time, nothing had happened. The recession hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Digital hadn't, didn't exist right. yet. Yeah. We were still reading print magazines. Right. So it was this very sexy, glamorous industry um, that I knew I had to be a part of. And this right. was my shot. Mm-hmm. So I remember I scrambled to this interview. It was like the, the middle of summer. I was dripping with sweat, trying to look pulled together. And um, the role was to be a style assistant. Oh, and wow. um, luckily, because I had already interned at Women's Wear Daily in right. LA and I'd interned at InStyle Magazine, right, right. I already had a leg up than any mm-hmm. other entry-level person. Yeah. And I had finished this program at Columbia. Um So what I realized in that very first interview was that personality is everything Ah, in this industry. Yes, you should have a good pedigree. Yes, you should have the right schools on your resume and you should have experience and passion. But And the same thing applies to me when I'm hiring junior entry people is that I want someone that I actually like. And I want someone (laughs) that I can spend time with and share an office with and go to events to and be at a photo shoot for 12 hours and not want to kill them. Um, So my personality, I mean, I remember my interview... They put me on this bar stool in the middle of an office mm-hmm. and they said, tell us a story. And I was mm-hmm. like, about what? <laughs> <laughs> but I told them a story and they loved it. And we became, you know, I got the job. Right, and right. Um, I'm still really good friends with the people that hired me in that very oh, first moment. Nice. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. Now, do you feel like working in that industry, was there like a glass ceiling or just the fact that you were Asian American? Did you feel anything different? I've never felt like being Asian American was an obstacle. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was an advantage. Oh, and I nice. think if you put that mindset at the top of mind, other people will start to believe it too. That's true. Yeah. I agree. So if you have this mindset of like, oh, they're not going to like me or, oh, they're going to think whatever, then you're putting your, you're manifesting that yourself. But for me, I was like, I have different experience. I went to school in California and I'm now in the middle of New York City. That already gives me a little bit more color. Right, I'm also right. a minority and I grew up in the South. Like right. that is also something to be said. Um, <laughs> and so I think I never saw it as a hindrance. And I would tell, you know, again, I was always telling stories now that I think about it. Um, I was telling stories all the time, passing the time at photo shoots or helping my editors pack up for something. And they kind of loved how much I brought to the table because I wasn't this meek mouse, mm-hmm. typical, you right. know, Asian American maybe that you could stereotype and say. I was always this person with like lots of bubbly energy and personality. And I I wanted to, them to remember me. And they did. Um, I actually didn't know this, but at the time at that first job, 
they created um, a poster board in their office that was called Jen Chanisms. And whenever <laughs> I said something funny or told them a story right, that right. they were like, who else would have done that? They would write it down on this board oh, and right. they present it to me on my last day there right. um, oh, just to cute. show them, yeah, just to show them that, you know, they, well, they'll always remember me and we're still good friends, like I said. So oh, I think be yourself and um, your personality will take you really far. That's true. No, I totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a little quick break and we'll be back with Jennifer Chang. All right. Now you can try before you buy on Collectin. Introducing Experience, the new way to shop jewelry. Flaunt your style and express your creativity with Experience. Get it today, only on Collectin. Okay, we're back with Jennifer Chang. Okay, we're going to talk more about your career because it's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole celebrity fashion style guru thing, how did you find your way into this? Yeah. So like I said, my first job was at Real Simple Magazine, which is an mm-hmm. amazing publication. But essentially, my job there was styling photo shoots. The oh, magazine okay. is known for their beautiful aesthetic. So yes. I would style and what we call we call it propping. So propping mm-hmm. for shoots, for shelter, for mm-hmm. food, for fashion, for beauty, for, I mean, literally any lifestyle category, right. the magazine covered. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that I wanted more fashion, beauty, and celebrity. Uh, okay. And um, within Time, Inc. was um, my favorite, 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 favorite yeah. magazine in style. Uh, um, just, me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like one elevator bank away right. is my favorite magazine. So I really should belong there. Yes. Um, so pretty quickly, and I was only at Real Simple for maybe six or seven months Mm -hmm, total, mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. first job, before I um, landed myself a very, very sexy position at InStyle as their uh, online assistant editor. Oh, nice. So this is, you know, this is before, like I said, the recession before dot-com was really a thing. Right, And I remember talking to my friends who were also in magazines, and they said, why would you work online? Uh That's like the ugly stepchild of publishing. (laughs) It really was the time. It was like, nobody goes online. Nobody reads, you know, the, 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 digital version of a magazine, right. they read the print. And I, I said, you know, I feel like it could be a really good idea to learn how this works, how to work for a website, how to right. write for a website. It's right. so different. Right. I wanted to, again, grow and diversify my skills. So I got this position at InStyle.com and it was an absolute dream. I mean, the first day of work was actually Oscar Sunday mm-hmm. and they were like, just come and you, you go in on Oscar right. Sunday and you work to the bone. I mean, you're the one who's writing best dress, worst mm-hmm, dress, mm-hmm. here's what they wore, here are uh-huh. the trends, here's the red carpet coverage. And I just couldn't get enough. I loved it so much. And there's a lot of, a lot of beautiful things to be said about working online is that there's there's no limit to how much space you can write or how, ah, how often true. you can publish. Right. And in magazines, it's very limiting and you have right. deadlines and you have to work so many months in advance. And right. um, I kind of, I was very young. I was still in my early 20s, fresh mm-hmm. out of school. So I had a different perspective on like what was possible. Right. Um, a lot of magazine websites at the time, even Vogue.com, all they were doing was taking what was published in print and lifting it and putting it online. Uh, they weren't infusing it with new content or new right. voices or new, like anything. And I was like, why would we do that? 
that's so mm-hmm. stale. So I started pitching ideas and mm-hmm. I, again, just being, you know, absolutely fearless, um, asking my boss and asking, you know, the VP, why don't we do this? And why don't what we should do, you know, for me at the time, I had a different budget even mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. what I could wear to work. You know, I was um. still making very little money in publishing, <laughs> living in New York, sharing right. an apartment with three other girls. Um, so I pitched an idea called Look for Less, yes. which at the time nobody was doing. Now uh-huh. it's obviously everyone's done it, but right. Look for Less was where you took a celebrity look and you break it down. You say, you can buy this at Forever 21 and you right. can buy this at Macy's and right. you break it down. And um, we were the first to do it. And I was, that was actually my baby. So wow, nice. I became the queen of celebrity style and look mm-hmm. for less. And then that naturally parlayed into another feature that I pitched called Where Can I Find? Mm-hmm. And basically what I would do it during my lunch break is I would look through all the photo galleries of celebrities of what they wore every day. Right. And I would say, oh, that's a Prada handbag. That's a Balenciaga leather right, jacket. Right, that's right. A, and I would play this game with myself. Right. Um, and my boss saw me do it. And she's like, do you do this every day? And I was like, yeah, it's how I... That's how I kill the time. <laughs> and yeah. She's like, could you do this like in a wet, like on a slideshow, like in yeah, a gallery yeah. for us? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So we created this gallery that was click to buy, which right. again at the time was very new. Yes. Where you go and you see Paris Hilton and she's wearing this head to toe look and you can click to buy her exact, you know, over the knee high boots from Stuart Weitzman uh, and click to buy it on right. metaporte.com or mm-hmm, Neiman mm-hmm. Marcus. Um, and so we, and that was before affiliate marketing right, existed, right. but we, we were kind of like learning how to do all this. So, um, I spearheaded that mission. I spearheaded another section called deals and steals where mm-hmm. only for the online audience would I right. coordinate 25% off shopbop.com right. or mm-hmm. whatever yes. if you shop online and use our code. So right, we right. were doing all these things that now we take for granted in 2020, right. but in 20, 2007, when I was there right. and a little, <laughs> little baby bird flapping my wings, it was all very exciting. Right. Um, That's true. So in that way, I, I did become the virtual celebrity style expert and we didn't have the technology that we have today. Right. When That's I true. said, I need to find a cheaper over the knee high boot that's camel colored and suede, I was painstakingly clicking every single page <laughs> right. on Nordstrom.com that mm. we didn't have search engines that yes, we did. We that's didn't have true. the technology where you could upload and do a reverse right. Google image search. So right. yeah, that's true. You're a pioneer. <laughs> I'm, a bit of a, I'm a bit of an old owl in this fun, crazy industry. Right. Yeah. So how did you transition to in front of the camera? Yeah, that's a really funny story. So um, at some point down the road, I ended up moving back to LA because mm-hmm. I said, you know, again, I pitched it. I was like, you know, I really am becoming a celebrity style expert. All the celebrities live in LA. I miss LA. I miss my family. Mm-hmm. I miss my tan. Why don't I move back to <laughs> LA? And they let me move back. And yeah. then um, over a couple of years, I be, I landed a position um, mm-hmm. working on Tyra Banks's website. Oh, nice. And in 2011, Tyra, who was always one of, I should have said that, she was one of my idols growing up. Ah. Because if Tyra was all about inner outer beauty and mm-hmm. embrace what you right. got and all bodies were beautiful. And I was so into Tyra. And right. she launched her own fashion and beauty website called Type F. F mm-hmm. as in fabulous or uh, fun or it right, could be right. the F was whatever you wanted to be. <laughs> um, I was on her launch team. And I mm-hmm. again, it was another like blissful, like I can't believe I'm getting to do what I love right. for someone that I adore and admire. And um, I was doing um, actually a lot of ghostwriting for Tyra. Mm-hmm. I was the voice of Tyra. Right. So I infused the Tyra-isms, like mm-hmm. smiles and mm-hmm. head-to-toe, HTT, uh. all these little Tyra words into all the copy. Uh-huh. And that naturally led into being her lead for social media, uh-huh. which social at the time was only Facebook and Twitter. We didn't right. have Instagram. We didn't right. have TikTok. We didn't right. have anything. <laughs> so it was it was like, okay, I can just like, you I mean, Twitter, that didn't take much time. Right. So, But I learned how to capture somebody, a celebrity's voice into copy. And mm-hmm. I infused 
use that. And then they kept letting me flap my wings. And next thing I knew, they said, well, you're going to host. Uh-huh. And the very, and I think they assumed that I had actually done it before. <laughs> I, had, I had spent a lot of time on a red carpet right. interviewing celebrities, right, right, but it right, was right. always so that I could transcribe it at home and write an article. It wasn't uh, like me being in right, front right, of the right, camera right. with a uh-huh. mic. Uh-huh. Um, I think they just assumed that because I was outgoing that I had probably already done it. Oh, right. So the very, <laughs> you fake it till I you make fake it. it. And I didn't even know I was faking it. I was just, again, being myself. Right. Um, so the first time I had my real on-air experience professionally was for America's Next Top Model. Uh-huh. Um, they let me go behind the scenes on one of the episodes. Oh. Um and I filmed a segment with one of them, the winners of uh, a challenge that we aired on her website. And I'll never forget that moment because I was like, they think I, they, they think I know what I'm doing, but I don't really know that I'm doing, you know? And so, but I loved it. And um, I actually did one hosting workshop where I really went to like a class in LA about how to be a host. Uh, and I remember being very intimidated when mm-hmm. I walked in and everybody was a model or an actress right, and they had right. headshots. And mm-hmm. I was like... Oh, no, 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 no. This is not for me. This is not what I was supposed to do. I'm actually a journalist. Yeah. And I've been the one writing stories and interviewing celebrities, but transcribing them. And a casting director saw me and said, I would book you over any of these other girls because Mm -hmm. you can conduct an interview. You can lead the story. You can tell, you know, what we want to tell. I don't have to feed you any lines. You're not just like a talking face. That's true. Yeah, you're a a journalist. And I was like, I am. So um, again, it was another moment where I'm like, somebody believed in me. And even if they met me for five minutes and just saying that to me was like changed my whole mindset. Um, so that was kind of my very first on-air experience. And then from there, they gave me my own series. Mm-hmm. So we did a YouTube channel called Style on the Street. Uh-huh. And I was the host of it. We shot about 70 episodes. Um, wow, 70. Yeah, and we traveled to New York too. So I did LA and New York. Mm-hmm. And I actually stopped real women of all right. different body shapes mm-hmm. and body types. And I would say, hey, I love your style. How do you, where did you get this from? Right, right, How right. do you flatter your figure? What's your right. favorite part about your, you know, silhouette? Things mm-hmm. like that. So it was so much about what was important to me, which was inclusivity and diversity and um, being relatable and warm and bringing it to the fashion and beauty industry with this huge megaphone that Tyra Banks already had as a platform. Mm -hmm. So um, after I hosted that series, I was like, I'm made for this. Like, I (laughs) love it. I never prepped for things. I just was very natural. And it kind of set my career into a whole other tailspin that I, yeah. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, is there any celebrity then that you ever get tongue-tied? I mean, or just like, wow. Yeah. So I spent almost four years as the West Coast editor for The Daily, which Mm -hmm. is a New York-based fashion publication. And essentially that meant in my 20s, I spent every single night on a red carpet. Mm -hmm. And I would go to about three events a night every night. So in the morning, I'm wearing yoga pants and, you know, going to Pilates. And then my work day starts at, let's say, four or five o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And I'm hitting a red carpet and Mm -hmm. I'm going from one event to the other. And I, at that time, it was amazing because Mm -hmm. I was still pretty fresh to LA. um, But I got to meet everybody. I met designers, I met publicists, agents, managers, Mm -hmm. talent. So I had interviewed Every celebrity, I feel like, that mm-hmm. I could have possibly interviewed, and I never got tongue-tied. I never got May. starstruck. Oh, nice. I was very, like, let's get to it. Let's get that quote. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember there were events where people would, publicists would say, don't even try to interview. Right. You know, I remember it was, like, Alexander McQueen or somebody. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. just, like, don't even think about it. And I was like, I'm going to get that interview. <laughs> and you I, weren't afraid. <laughs> yeah, I always did because you approach it like, this is just who I am, and this is it's going right. to be fine, and I'll take five minutes of your time, and we're, we're going to be gravy. That's um, Sure. Um, 
the one and only time I remember being a little bit like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe, was I was invited to Victoria Beckham's birthday party. Ah. And it was very exclusive. Mm -hmm. And it was at the Beverly Hills Hotel and Elton John hosted it. And um, they told me, just blend in like you're a guest. You're, you're the only media we invited because right. we know how you conduct yourself. Right. You're gonna, you're mm-hmm. just going to be a guest at her birthday. And I get there, and it's like every British British celebrity is there. There's oh, wow. Kate Beckinsale and the Beckhams and Elton John and the Osbournes. Right. And I'm like, I don't fit in at all. I'm Asian. Asian. I'm not British. Like, they're going to know me right away. Yeah. And it was at that event that I talked to David Beckham oh, for wow. the first time. And he touched my arm. Oh, wow. And I was like... I can't breathe. This is the only time <laughs> in my whole career that I distinctly remember, like, Aww. this is amazing. And he actually told me he wanted to go and get in and out and uh, leave the party and just have a burger. And I thought that Aww, was the most endearing sweet. thing. Yeah. So that was the only celebrity in my whole career that I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so then how did you connect with the Kardashians? Yeah. So one of my, I would say, biggest life-shaping career choices was when I landed a job at E! Entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I was their senior fashion and trends editor, which was Mm -hmm. a brand new position they created. And essentially, E! wanted to become... You know, they didn't have a lot of fashion and beauty coverage other Mm -hmm. than Fashion Police. Uh, And Fashion Police was a little bit snarky and Mm -hmm. negative, and they wanted something that was warm and welcoming and women-centric, which Mm -hmm. is where I come in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I created a section for them called The Trend, and Mm -hmm. it was essentially a lot of the content ideas that I had it in style, and I took it to E! Entertainment. And it was great and fabulous, and Mm -hmm. I worked there for three years. Um, After that, I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm like, I've worked for like the biggest entertainment network in town. (laughs) I've done, I've done every red carpet there is to do. And then I got a call not that long after and they said the Kardashians are launching their own apps Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and each sister is going to have her own editor Mm -hmm. and they needed somebody who A, had you know, the amount of experience they needed, the personality that could work with a high caliber celebrity, which Mm -hmm. I'd already worked directly with Tyra, um, and somebody that could be on a launch team, which Uh in my whole career, I mean, if you look at it, it's launch, launch, launch. new ideas, new ideas. I'm a launcher, I'm (laughs) a pitcher, I'm a go-getter, and I will hustle you down till there's no more hours in the daytime. (laughs) So it was right up my alley, Mm. and I thought, you know, if, if I'm going to work for a celebrity, like, let it be the biggest, most influ- influential celebrity in town. Right. And that was Kim. Right. Um, so I was all in, and ah. I, I loved it. And I actually <laughs> have always been a fan of the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of sisters myself, and mm-hmm. we had long been calling ourselves the Chandashians. Right. <laughs> and we would all take <laughs> on a cute. persona, and I was the Kim of the family. Right. So it kind of was like this, like, oh, this is kismet. This is meant to be. <laughs> Um, so was it more like a marketing things you were doing with them or no, like, it was what, content what was content. Yeah. Oh, I was senior okay. editor to Kim and Courtney. So oh, each okay. sister at the time had her own mobile app, mm-hmm. which you would have to download and mm-hmm. subscribe to and right. pay for uh-huh. as a consumer. But when you have access to them, this is where they would release their, you know, very juicy stories about Uh, or or photos or videos mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. only made for their subscribers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, back in the day, you a celebrity would have a baby and get paid tons of money by People Magazine to release that first photo or that name. Mm -hmm. Now they had their own apps they owned and they Uh, get the money. So so. they would release 
I mean, I was there when Kim gave birth to St. West, her second baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm actually the one who published um, his name and his weight and his birth date. And and it was like a very, very interesting feather in my cap (laughs) to say that I was was that person. But um, yeah, so at the time, and again, I was like, oh, mobile apps. Like I'm all about like apps. Yeah, being on the next frontier of technology (laughs) and and again, diversifying my skill set. So I wanted to learn mobile and I Mm -hmm. wanted to learn how that programming worked right, and that right, product right. worked. So um, it, this was a couple of years, it was like probably four years ago, maybe right. from now, but I was on the, the app launch team and it was very exciting. And I got mm-hmm. to work directly with the sisters and that also meant being their digital persona. So mm-hmm. I wrote right. as Kim. I had, uh, I can't tell you how many episodes I've watched of Keeping Up with the Kardashians <laughs> so that I could nail her voice right, and nail right. her tone and right, right, know exactly, right. you know, you have to know their lives, like their right, life becomes exactly. your life because- That's true. When you work for a celebrity, it's not about you. It's, yes. it, nobody cared that I'd been to <laughs> Columbia and Pepperdine right, and right. had spent all these years and paid my dues. It was suddenly like my livelihood was was for them. Right, so that's true. In that way, as an editor, as a media personality, I did have to kind of take a back seat. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. A lot of my publicist friends didn't know who I worked for uh, because I couldn't really right, put it out there. That's true. Um, but some of them did. I mean, eventually you kind of figure out that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had no byline yeah. for like a year or two when I worked mm-hmm. for them because it wasn't uh, me. It was right, them. Right, right. Um, but it was also like, when am I ever going to be able to to get to do this. And right. it was very, that's very true. cool. No, that's very cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, it's very new. <laughs> you yeah. Know, apps back then. It totally. is very, very yeah. new. <laughs> so now in the old days versus the currently, do you think celebrity has all the power to like move fashion or do you think it's different now? I think it's different now. I mean, at that time, this is, I'll, I'll speak to Kylie Cosmetics because right. Kylie changed the game mm-hmm. in a different way where she was a celebrity and mm-hmm. she created her own brand, but right. people were salivating and dying to get out of, get her, their hands on her products right. because she put it on social media. That's, they didn't right. do traditional marketing. They didn't do advertising <laughs> right. on TV or anything. Mm-hmm. Kylie was the powerhouse right. and her power, her platform was social media. Right. So in a way, I would say the Kardashians changed the retail model in a very powerful way that a lot of brands learned like let's do it different let's build it up on on social media right. and people will come and right. i think today's retail model has become that i mean you look at a lot of the brands they're they have built who they are on online right and they don't have a brick and mortar right or if they do it's because mm-hmm. you know about them on social media right exactly. and it, we kind of flipped it where right. it was like you know back in the day you would walk into gap and mm-hmm, you knew Gap, mm-hmm. you knew the t-shirts, you knew right. what jeans you wore. And then if for some reason you found yourself where you needed more, you could go online and know exactly what you wanted. Right. Now we're doing it different where we're we're looking at someone, some influencer or some celebrity wearing a dress and we can't get our, we can't tear our eyes away from her Instagram. Right. And now we want that online and yeah. by some fabulous reason they have a brick and mortar store yes. pop up in your town. You feel, It's like you get this whole different experience about the brand, but we flipped it on its head. Right. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) It's so different. It's so different. Right. Because now it's like the, especially everyone now looks at the Instagram first for inspiration. Yeah. Before they shop or even go to a store. Yeah. It's just like, you're like, oh, you have a store? Like maybe I'll go. But it wasn't, 10 years ago, it was like, I'm just going to roll, I'm going to stroll through the mall and see what catches my eye and walk in. Right, right, right. And then maybe I'll go to their website if I really am a fan. But now it's, we've, it's totally different. But. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, you yourself is a social media influencer. Yeah. So how do you shop? And 
Yeah. Um, oh gosh, how do I shop? I, I think it's the same way. I consume everything on Instagram too. Okay. And a lot of the dresses or things that I I discover that I know I need to have in my closet is because I found it on social media first. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm I'm very after being in the industry for so long and also being to be transparent, gifted right. a lot of things. Sometimes I would wear things that I'm like, this isn't really what I would want to wear, but someone uh-huh. gave it to me, so uh, I have to wear it and right, I have to right, photograph right. it. Right. Um, but I think you have to be true to yourself, um, who your what your personal style is, and that's really, really vital to my brand. Right. So again, y- utilizing sources like Rent the Runway, um, where I can pick and choose what I want to wear, but I don't have to commit, has right. really shaped my my overall personal style. Okay. Um, and just being smart about it. Now, with all that different outlets, what what do you think is your most effective outlet online or social media or any particular platform? Um, I would say Instagram is still my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of putting content out there, it's where I right. feel the most comfortable, where mm-hmm. I feel like everyone talks to me, everyone knows me. Right. Um, it's very familiar. I've been on the platform for since the beginning of it. Um, I would say I still am very, very active on Facebook, but uh-huh. it's different. It's right. more about connecting with family and friends, mm-hmm. um, sharing vacation photos, or talking about current events. Mm-hmm. Um, but really during quarantine, TikTok is like <laughs> really <laughs> captured. <laughs> and not so much as a creator, but just consuming. I mean, I now right, know how right. to make my favorite iced coffee at home because of TikTok. Right, right. And I, you learn all these great things. And I also think for for retailers, um, you know, TikTok is really important because because the videos are so short and consumable, yes. mm-hmm. it makes the product stand out more. Uh, so versus an Instagram or a YouTube video that someone says, "This is how I get ready," and they right, name right, fifty right. products. Yeah. On TikTok, you have fifteen seconds. Right. And if you're true. like, "This is how I do my brows," <laughs> right, boom, right, right. and yeah. that's one product. You're like, right, "I need right. that one product. I'm in." I totally agree. Yeah. So <laughs> TikTok, I think, is the way social media should be. Mm-hmm. You don't stress about it. It doesn't have to be so perfect, and right, it gets to right. show your personality more, right. but it's it's a harder sell the older you get, and I'm basically a senior citizen on the platform now. Have so. you tried making some TikTok I videos? Have, I have. I'm definitely. Um, I mean, I gave up for a little bit, but I I did try my hand during the beginning of lockdown, um, where I did some videos mm-hmm. and I did some dances right, and some right. lip syncing. Yeah. But I'm. It was really much more fun for me to consume it than create it. But ah, yeah. yeah, we really should think up some ideas to like do fashion on yeah. TikTok. Yeah, well, I people, think it's hard. It's hard. People are so creative, but it's right, like right. fifteen seconds reward of that video but it might take you four hours that's to true. produce and, that's true. and get it the editing right. is super easy but it's right. like all the changing your clothes and right, right, right. for me during <laughs> you're in your home I mean your home is your studio now because right. we can't go anywhere um, or at least we couldn't for a couple of months so I actually had a balcony in my apartment and I I sold all the furniture on it so that I would have more room to TikTok mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm not kidding I was like this this outdoor sunset yeah. and the, these this is very valuable real estate for my TikTok background so let's let's prioritize that (laughs) (laughs) okay so now I know diversity inspiring other women is very important to you so what are your plans to influence the next generation of women it's a lot of what I'm doing I mean coming on to podcasts like yours um doing tv appearances Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things I've done in my entire career is hosting fashion shows Uh, for Bloomingdale's and Macy's and other retailers and that's where I really get to 
connect with real women Mm -hmm. and show them this is the trend, but here's how to make it work for your lifestyle Mm -hmm. or your age or your body shape. So I'm all about making women feel confident and comfortable, whether they're a size 22 or a size 2 or whatever color or the rainbow that their skin tone might be. Um, Just helping them pick choices where their fashion and beauty isn't intimidating or overwhelming, which it can be. And it always has been. Um, But I feel like my mission in life is to make things more more acceptable and and approachable. Um, Mm. And I think that's why I've had success with working with major retailers and breaking down the trends and connecting with people in real life. (laughs) (laughs) So what's on your roadmap next? So many things. I can't really share a lot, but I would say that this time has really given me a lot of a, a bit of a time to reflect and slow down. Um, a lot of different opportunities have come my way. I've consulted for a lot of brands at this point who need help with, you know, storytelling or brand shaping, um, identifying their consumer and knowing what's out there um, and what isn't and what would really speak to them. So I consulted for Ipsy for the last year, which is the number one subscription box in beauty, mm-hmm. um, and helped them, you know, just kind of fine tune their copy and brand voice. So I actually love doing that. Um, it's second nature for me. Um, but yeah, we, uh, there are definitely some projects, um, projects of my own too. I feel like, you know, everyone is their own boss and I'm, I'm ready for it. So, um, I've always wanted to have my own line as well. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hey, we should work on that together. <laughs> we should. <laughs> Products we should. is my thing. Yes. I'd love to pick your brain. <laughs> yep. All right. So thank you so much for coming on to our show. Um, oh. amazing stories. I love how you sh- share your own personal stories because that's really how women connect with each other is really have to, you know, like inspire using true life stories and also letting them know that hey you know (laughs) it's not as easy and it's a lot of hard work and you have to put you know a lot of passion and (laughs) into everything so now for all of you out there who haven't followed jennifer chan uh she's on instagram at jennifer chan glam or you can go to her website jenchanglan.com so thank you so much for coming to my podcast today thank you um so check out our today's video on our website girlinfluencepower.com or subscribe to collectin's youtube channel and there you have it all right thanks guys <laughs> thank you